when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. It is interesting to note that Jesus pointed to three specific commendable actions by believers that would indicate our sincerity and would make us eligible for reward. Jesus clearly emphasized that caring for the needy, helping the sick, and visiting the prisoner were good deeds that would follow believers into the kingdom. In Albuquerque, as in every city around the world, there are ample opportunities to fulfill this need with the residents of jails and prisons. For the spiritual condition of, of the jail is, is, is pretty bleak because there's nothing there for the guys. I think everybody always called, cries out to God. You know, oh God, get me out of this one, you know. <laughs> if you get me out of this one, uh, uh, you know, you start making the promises and you start, you know, bargaining with God to get you out of jail. Because inmates have been placed in a very restricted environment, this is often a time for spiritual awareness. Getting arrested and put in jail and getting put on ice for six months was, was, was the biggest blessing in my life because God totally changed my outlook and, and, and changed that bitterness. He, he, he taught me how, God taught me how to let go of, of what happened to me in the past and look forward and step forward and, and just take that step of faith with Him. One ministry that is making a real difference for prisoners is the God Pod at the Bernalillo County Detention Center. The, the support that we get from this church and even other churches is, 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 is awesome. You don't know what it means to the guys in there. That, that people are supporting this program, that there are people that really, really care. The love that people have for us, we feel it. You know, I mean, we really feel it. Greg Griego is part of the Light and Liberty Jail Ministry, and their efforts are changing lives. God's Pod, to me, was the most beautiful experience in my whole life. Good evening once again. It's my um, honor to introduce uh, our guest tonight, Greg Griego. I've known Greg for four or five years. We were debating back uh, behind stage here. But uh, I met you in one of my first years as the um, director of the School of Ministry, and you were just a, a star student then and had a heart for the Lord. And then you went on to uh, go into our shepherd school, and now you're the chaplain for the Metropolitan Detention Center. Um, Greg, tell us how you got involved in prison ministry. Well, actually, uh, that's how I came to the Lord. I came to the Lord in uh, L.A. County Jail. I was uh, facing uh, 15 to life for four drive-bys, and, and consequently, I was going to spend the rest of my life in, in prison, actually. And uh, God intervened, and he got me out. But I, I made the choice to do what he said. And uh, when, I, when I was over there, I never really wanted to get involved. I, I went to Calvary Chapel Montebello in, in California, and... Uh, Never really wanted, had nothing to do with the jail because I had, had had spent so much time in there. When I came over here for the school ministry, we had to go to the PMI, uh, you know, a primary uh, 
ministry internship, and, and when I saw the jail ministry flash, I said, well, I guess that's what I got to do. That's what God brought me over here for. <laughs> and, and consequently, uh, me and my wife got involved, and uh, God has just opened doors after doors after doors, and it's been just awesome. Wonderful. Now, you're involved in what is called a God pod, and that's kind of an interesting name. Uh, tell us what that means. Well, actually, uh, it's uh, it's a pod just, just glorifying God. We call it Straight Street uh, uh, out of Acts uh, 9 where, where actually uh, Paul had to understand what he had to suffer for Christ's sake. And a lot of these men, you know, a lot of times people th- we just want to hear uh, all the good things about Christianity. But the reality, coming from our background, we actually realize that uh, everything we did was wrong, so we have to change everything in our lives. And that's what I want them to understand within that pod and that program through the word that we understand that there's going to be things that we have to change in our life and we have to get serious with the things of God. Um, because it is prison, I mean, and it is a, a detention, uh, some would think that many of the conversions to Christ are only temporary. Uh, what's your experience, Ben? Well, consequently, what I've been seeing uh, within our pod is that we have uh, at least three Bible studies a day. From 7 in the morning to 8 o'clock at night, they're, they're having studies, going through the Word. So if you're not real in there, you usually want to get get out of that pod because you can't really hang with it. So the awesome thing is really I, I, I weed through the ones that aren't serious. If you're just in there to try and... Some people want to come to study just to feel good about, you know, because they're in jail and they're hurt feelings. But the reality, if you want to get serious with the Lord, that's where that's where the men that are serious are because we have discipline and we don't allow no no games in there. In all of our experiences, Greg, there's at least one uh, person or success story that would stand out in our minds. Uh, can you tell us of one uh, that you've experienced? Well, actually, uh, just recently we have so many. Uh, yesterday I was uh, meeting with the captain. He's one that, uh, Captain Steve Moore that oversees the Light and Liberty. He's a director, and uh, I was sharing with him about the situation with uh, – I got like four, four phone calls, and they're all from – inmates that have gotten out and are keeping in touch because I give my number to everybody and I have one individual that's uh, ready uh, uh, Ron Montano is he's changed his life so much and now we're actually working on trying to get a program an aftercare program for the for the uh, men to come out so it, he's changed so much and now he's trying to become an asset for it so it, it's been it's been remarkable really complete turnaround yes something that you've even experienced in your own life yes sir all right well uh, since this is our ministry spotlight evening for line online Give us a quick overview of the ministry of Light and Liberty. Well, Light and Liberty is a parachurch organization that it, it, uh, serves, services all of uh, uh, Alley County, uh, Albuquerque. And uh, actually, uh, we, we've been going into BCDC, but now we're getting into Santa Fe and we're, we're trying to get into the uh, prison system. But uh, it's, a church, it's basically just a bunch of churches that get together and provide volunteers facilities. We, basically, we really have a, a total... Uh, control of the facility as far as volunteers and it's been a real blessing god has really used it in, in a mighty way than there great well what has been the most challenging uh, experience that you've faced while ministering there in the jail well it's, it's been interesting well the, the staff you have like a fifth, half of them really like the things of god and half of them don't and a lot of them because of the uh the uh, foxhole mentality and stuff the, the biggest thing that i've changed and that has been my biggest struggle is, is weeding out the fakers, people that aren't serious about God. If you don't really want to get serious about God and truly change, then I, I try to weed you out. And that's been the hardest thing. A lot of times they think 
the captains even felt like I, I don't have compassion. Well, my compassion is is the fact that I want you to be right. And if you're playing with God, God's going to rock you. And consequently, down the road, this is not a game. Having a relationship with the Lord is a very serious thing, and it's something that we need to really uh, focus on. So it sounds like you speak the truth in love, but tough love. Is that your approach? Yes, sir. <laughs> I, I, you know, coming from that background, I don't, I don't play with these people. I'm very serious about everything that goes on with them. And I, lo- I love them with all my heart, but, uh, you know, just like you love your children, you're not going to let them run out into, and, and get hit by a car. You're going to have to uh, watch over them. Well, you know, this is an exciting ministry. And uh, tell us just quickly how people in the congregation and around Albuquerque t- can take an active role in your ministry. Well, uh, off the top, prayer. Pray for us because there's always spiritual battles going on. As you see the construction of the jail and everything that's going on, it's just been a, a tough gig for the, for the county overall. But realistically, uh, you know, financially, we, we always could uh, use the finance. That's, I, I get supported uh, from the ministry. I don't, I'm not hired through the uh, facility. I'm hired through this ministry, which is, uh, makes, you know, uh, makes a, a blessing for me because I'm able to be able to be uh, more uh, evangelical and more uh, uh, representing of the Lord than if I was uh, strictly under, under the jail. So that, I think that would be something that could help us. Well, uh, tonight, before we wrap this up, We'd like to know from you, Greg, how can we pray for you as a congregation? We're going to pray together for Greg. Well, n- number one, did, uh, did, uh, did God would strengthen me and give me the wisdom that I need to be able to think. We're getting ready to open up a female God's pod, which is, hasn't happened in, in the history of the facility. And so that's going to take, uh, sometimes women are a little bit more, uh, they have different uh, issues than the men, consequently, because we are different. And uh, so it's good. <laughs> and uh, so, so that uh, you can pray for the for the women's uh, uh, situation, uh, and that uh, more brothers and sisters in, uh, are involved. Because you know I, we have a big church here, and uh, we desire more involvement. And uh, and actually, for the men, men uh, and women that get out, and that God would strengthen them while they're out, and the men and women that go on to prison that have have committed their life to Christ, that they stay strong in in the prison facilities. Well, great. Well, before we pray, I just want to remind you and let you guys know that back at the Connection Center, uh, you may know it as the front desk, Greg will be back there after the service to answer questions and uh, give you information if you'd like to get involved in the ministry. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the great opportunity that um, and a door that you've opened here at a place of incarceration here in Albuquerque. And Lord, um, we just pray that this congregation, our hearts would have a heart of compassion for those who are um, in, in bonds and those who are, are trapped, Lord, oftentimes by their own sin. But you've sent uh, Greg here in the midst to be a light and a witness for you. And so, Lord, all of these endeavors that he named, Lord, concerning the, the new God pods for the women, as well as just continued support and growth in the ministry, Lord, we commit them to you, all of our plans. And, uh, Lord, we pray that you just fill Greg with your spirit and power and boldness and use him in that place, Lord, for your kingdom and for your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good evening. My name is Nelson one of the pastors on staff here. If you'd open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. 
question. Have you ever had your world go from calm to chaos in a split second? You know what I'm talking about? This peace to perplexity, the serene to the surreal. That happened about 1 a.m. one morning. My day had started at 4. Typical day, got up, went to work. After work, taught a singles Bible study. Potluck, and as you know, the singles don't go home when they're studying. So it was very late by the time this was over. It's going on 1 a.m. It's been a nice, calm evening. Peaceful. We've had communion. we prayed. And I'm carrying the communion trays. This is a different facility, not this one. I'm carrying them across the, the, the parking lot to go into the main building. And I, I opened the door up and I went in and, and the, the alarm pad, you know, it's the beep, beep. And, and I, I, I began having a senior moment. <laughs> and I put a one, two, three, four, beep, beep, two, three, four, five, beep. Four, five, six, beat. Seven, eight, nine, beat, beat. It's going fast. My heart, I'm running across the parking lot because Randy's in the other building. He knows the code. And I come tearing through the building and I look and you know he was up in the front praying for somebody. I grabbed him by the wrist. We said amen quickly. Because he started bouncing before he got to his feet. And we're running across the parking lot saying, what's wrong, what's wrong? And, and all of a sudden, lights are flashing. And it's me, me, me. And we stopped and he looked at me smiling as a worship leader made up a song on the spot. You forgot the cow. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, the police should be here any minute because they're uh, calling. And oh, the senior pastor, they're calling him right now. Uh, is he going to let me live? Or is he going to let me live it down? Because they're all going to start singing. You forgot the... Calm to chaos. That's Isaiah chapter 6. Calm to chaos. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim, each of them with six wings. With two they covered their face. With two they covered their feet. With two they did fly. And they cried out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. And then the foundations of the temple shook at the voices of those who cried. And the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew unto me one of the seraphim, having in his right hand a living coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth, and he said, Lo, this has touched thy lips. Thine iniquity is taken away. Thy sin is purged. Also I then heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. It's interesting that Isaiah's testimony comes in chapter 6. 
We have five chapters of seeing the life of Isaiah before we see the testimony of Isaiah. The witness of his life before the witness of his lips. Jesus was approached at night by Nicodemus who said, we know that you are from God because no one can do the things you do unless God is with him. Life before lips. Jesus told the disciples, you know, you are the light of the world. The, a, a city set on a hill can't be hid, and neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but up on a candlestick that it would give light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men that they would see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. The witness of your life before the witness of your lips. St. Francis of Assisi put it well. He said, witness all the time. On occasion, use words. The background here are the first few verses. In the year that King Uzziah died. Uzziah died about 740 B.C. He had been on the throne 50 years. That's five zero years. Isaiah is only about 20 years old. He's never known any other king. Uzziah goes down in history as one of the good kings. He was strong. He was powerful. He had expanded the, the area and, and had subjugated some of these other people groups, making them pay tribute and taxes and things. But now he's dead. And when you read the history of the transfer of kings, it's not always smooth. Usually you have more than one person saying, well, I think I should be king next. But they didn't go by election. They started to fight it out. There was often death, bloodshed. One person gets to the throne and then looks around for anybody else who might have been related to their opposition. and, And they just start executing people. Lots of people die. Now, Isaiah's family was, was very prominent. They're in this big city, Jerusalem, small town type. Who do we side with? On top of that, these little nations that have been put down or paying taxes, that's a good time for them to rebel, maybe invade, take a little land back. And, of course, you've got the northern kingdom, a place called Assyria up in the north, a superpower, and then Egypt down in the south. Difficult time in the year that King Uzziah died. And maybe you've been in a situation like that. Not not the king that died. Maybe, however, there's been a death. Your world shatters. Even worse, an untimely death. Perhaps a job. We're not making what we used to. We're going to have to downsize. Been there too. Maybe a relationship is really falling apart. Maybe the doctor used a word like cancer or tumor. And your world suddenly shatters. When that happens to Isaiah, he goes to the temple. It's much like Simon Peter when Jesus in John 6 has given what they call one of the hard sayings and all these people left Jesus turned to the disciples and said, will you leave too? And Peter said, Lord, where else will we go? Only you have the words of life. There comes a time when you just have to hang on because you don't know what else to do. 
He goes to the temple. Jeremiah tells us, if you seek me, you will find me, if you seek me with your whole heart. And at this point, this good Jewish boy who's probably been to the temple many times, he's been through the worship, he knows the routine, he knows the songs. This time, however, he really sees God. You can go to church all your life and never meet God. But this time, something's different. He sees God seated on a throne, high and lifted up. You know, when circumstances are good, it's easy to pray in King James English. Thou art mightiest and holiest and greatest, and thou art wonderfulest. O God, my fathereth. And... And something happens and our prayers change. It's help. And then God answers. It's not meeth, it's youeth. It's because his throne doesn't shake when my world does. Because he's sovereign. Transcendent, meaning he's above the problem. Aircraft will fly above tornadoes and not get whipped all over the place. Paul says that we are to not look at the things that are seen, but to look at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. At this point, he's looking into the eternal, seeing the rock of his salvation. But he also sees, besides him being transcendent and sovereign on the throne, he sees he is holy. Above it stood the seraphim. Now, seraphim is a word like uh, a burning one. How many of you have done this? It's in the evening, it's dim, somebody picks up a camera and says, okay, look over here, we're going to take a picture. And you didn't look at the lens, you stared into the flashbulb. How many? Okay, come on now. And you're looking in the flashbulb with someone who goes, and you, oh. okay. The seraphim are the burning ones. They are a flashbulb that has gone off and doesn't go out. And yet with two wings, they cover their face because they cannot look on the holiness of God. He is so bright. This is the message which we have heard of him, says the scriptures, that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. With two, they covered their feet. Remember Moses, he's out in the wilderness, and he sees a bush burning that's not consumed. And he says, look, a bush burning, not being consumed. So he starts moving that way. And the voice is, Moses, take your sandals off your feet. Where you're standing is holy ground. You know, in most cultures, if you were to sit with your feet crossed at your angle, at your ankles and point the bottom of your foot towards somebody in the east or the far east, those are fighting words. They're saying, you're beneath my feet. Try it sometime. <laughs> or not. They covered their feet. With two, they did fly. God is transcendent. God is holy. But it's not just a a snapshot. It's a moving picture. Something is going on. What's happening is worship. There's a parallel passage in the book of Revelation, chapter 4, verse 8. John, before the throne of God, says, And I saw the four living creatures, each of them having six wings. Sound familiar? full of eyes within and without, crying out continually day and night, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. When the veil between this world and the eternal is brought apart, we see worship. We don't see people standing at the pearly gate handing out bulletins. 
And we don't see people doing this. Okay, now to open your Bibles, it's like we're just falling down and we're praising the God who's on the throne. We're moving into worship. Now, there's a broad sense of worship that it encompasses our whole life. Paul, of course, says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord, which is your reasonable form of service, worship. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. So our whole life is worship, but I'm narrowing it down to the singing of praise. There are many types of songs that we sing. Some are stories. We sing Bible stories because we're educating people. Some are evangelistic. We're encouraging people to come to the Lord. Some are edifying. We're telling people what God has done for us. But in the heavens, we see the people telling God who He is. So worship in this narrow sense. Number one, it is central to the throne of God. All around the throne, there is worship. Two, it's an ascription of worth. It is saying, God, you are worthy. Holy, holy, holy. What it means is it's a fact, not a feeling. Now, how many here remember somebody by the name of Timothy Leary? It's, oh, lots of them. Tune in, turn on, drop out. Remember that? LSD crazy. I read about it in a history book. They, um... During that period when people were taking LSD, many of the people firmly believed they could fly. And so they would move to a precipice and they would jump with all their belief and faith. And tragically, some of them jumped from higher precipices. The fact is, gravity is gravity. And arms don't keep you aloft. The fact is, God is worthy of my praise, whether I feel like it or not. It's interesting that the word holy, holy, holy is the only attribute of God that's mentioned three times. It's a great Bible study in and of itself, but not tonight. It's in response to God's presence, and it declares what God is doing. I want to look at three things tonight. There is a threefold foundation of worship. It's our perception. Threefold foundation of worship. There is a threefold act of worship. It is our performance. Threefold act of worship. And then a threefold result of worship. It is what it produces. Foundation, act, and result. The first foundation of worship is we acknowledge God's majesty. He is seated on the throne, high and lifted up. The scripture says, let God be true in every man a liar. God is in control. And yet, sometimes we don't understand. The two towers, the movie The Two Towers, King Theoden is standing over the grave of his son, crying, and he says, no parent should ever have to bury their child. And that happens sometimes. And there's some people here that that can probably feel that. Life sometimes is very cruel. How do you tell a parent whose child died that God is in control? How do you tell the faithful spouse whose other one decided that the marriage vows were not worth keeping 
that everything's going to be okay. What do you do when disease racks somebody's home or tragedy? How do you answer this? God is on the throne. How do you think the first century Christians would answer when their loved ones were drugged from homes and wrapped in animal skins and thrown before wild dogs to be ravaged or tied to stakes and dipped in tar to be burned alive? Is God on the throne? And you know, the answer is that there really is no answer to the question why many times. But you need to hold on to this. When you don't understand, you need to grasp onto and hold to what you know. God still loves you. And I've been there when I said, I don't understand, but I've just got to hold on to that. God loves you. And sometimes that's all you can hold on to. But you cling to that with everything that's in you. The first foundation of worship. God is transcendent. He's on the throne. The second is that it ascribes His worth. Holy, holy, holy is God. It's a fact, not the feeling. The Scripture says we are to offer a sacrifice of praise to God. But you know, sometimes I've heard of people getting angry with God. They don't want to praise Him. Have you ever told your son, please praise God for the Brussels sprouts? We don't feel like praising God. And, and life can have tragedies, natural disasters. There can be persecution. There can be just simply unfairness. There can be consequences. Uh, there was a lady, she, she had been pulled over for speeding, and as the policeman was giving her the ticket, she says, well, don't I get a warning? He said, oh, ma'am, everyone gets a warning. I didn't get a warning. Well, yes, you did. Every two miles there was a sign that said speed limit. <laughs> 65 miles an hour. But we get angry. So even when we get caught, we get angry. You know? But it's like, how can they say these things about me? I mean, that's me that they said these things about. And who do they think they are? Like, who do I think I am? But we, come on now, we've been, we've been there. All right. God is holy. And whether I feel like it or not, the second foundation is God is worthy and I must say so. The third foundation of worship is that we accept God's presence. Accept God's presence. God is imminent. First, He's transcended on the throne. Second, He's holy. Third, He is imminent. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is with you always, even until the ends of the age. David in Psalm 139, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. There's not a word on my mouth that you don't already know it. You are intimately equated with all my ways. You have enclosed me behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful to me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Where could I flee from your spirit, from your presence? If I were to ascend into the highest heavens, you are there. If I were to descend into the depths of hell, you are there. If I were to take the wings of the morning and fly to the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand is upon me. Your hand will guide me. If I say, surely darkness would cover me, light and dark are alike to thee. How precious are your thoughts toward me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I were to try to count them, there would be more than the sands of the sea. 
And when I awake, you are still with me. God is with you. Always. Sometimes we don't like that. That's why we have cruise control. I think that's why God invented cruise control. The threefold foundation of worship. First, we acknowledge God's majesty. Second, we ascribe his worthiness. Third, we accept his presence. We move from the foundation of worship to the act of worship. The first act of worship is that we direct worship to God the Father for who he is and for what he is doing. We direct it to God the Father. For with thee, the scripture says, is the fountain of life. In thy life we see light. For in him we live and move and have our being. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of light, in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. We direct it to God the Father for who he is, for what he is doing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ, giving thanks unto him. He has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance with the saints. The first act of worship. We direct it to God the Father for who He is and what He has done. first act of worship is that it is directed to God the Father for who he is and what he has done. The second act of worship, it is mediated through Jesus Christ. For there is only one God and there is one mediator between God and man. The man, Jesus Christ. Hebrews tells us that we are to have boldness. Having therefore boldness, brethren, let us enter into the holiest of all through the blood of Jesus, through the veil, that is, through his flesh. Peter tells us that we are living stones built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices of praise acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The second act of worship is that it is mediated 
through Jesus Christ. second act of worship, it is mediated through Christ. The third act of worship, it is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The hour is coming, Jesus told the Samaritan woman, and now is when true worshipers will worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship Him. Jesus would later tell the disciples that when He, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, has come, that He would lead and guide them into all truth. Paul tells the Philippians that, he says, we are the true circumcisions who worship God in the spirits and do not take confidence in our own flesh. Paul tells the Ephesians that through him, Jesus, we both, Jew and Gentile, have access by one spirit unto the Father. Jude tells us to build ourselves up praying in the Holy Spirit. Romans says, that we don't always know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. You know, my daughter, who's 13 now, was uh, about a year and a half. She used to come up to me and she'd have her empty juice bottle in her hand and she'd, she'd just look at me and say, Daddy, juice? And, and I understood that to mean, please take this dirty, empty bottle and put it in the sterilization process and get a new bottle from the cupboard. Go to the refrigerator and get the fresh apple juice. Fill it halfway and then get the bottled water, not tap water, mind you, and fill it the rest of the way. Replace the cap, shake it vigorously, put it in the microwave for 45 seconds so that it's just warmer than lukewarm. It must happen within two minutes or I will scream. (laughs) 
Now, we got all that from Daddy Juice. Often our prayers are not much more than Daddy Juice. But because of that love relationship that I had with my daughter, I understood. Because of God's love relationship with you, the Holy Spirit translates our prayers so that when I say Daddy Juice, He knows how to finish it off. So the third act of worship is that it is empowered by the Holy Spirit. of worship, the third act of worship, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some worship songs that combine all of these. The first, directed to the Father for who He is, for what He is doing. The second, mediated through the Son. And the third, empowered by the Holy Spirit. I'd like to stand just for this one.
seated. The threefold foundation of worship. We see God in His majesty, transcendent, sovereign. When we don't understand, we hold to what we know. God loves you. We ascribe His worthiness. He is worthy of our praise, whether we feel like it or not. Accepting His presence. He will never leave us or forsake us. Beginning to act in worship. Directing it to the Father for who He is, for what He is doing. Mediated through the Son, the author, finisher of our faith. And empowered by the Holy Spirit who leads and guides us into all truth. Now as we come to verse 4, it says, The foundations of the temple shook at the voices of those who cried, and the whole earth filled with smoke. You know, Isaiah had sought God on many many occasions, many times. He had been to the temple, but this time things were different. This time he saw God. It changed his life so that he began to see the results of worship. The first result of worship is repentance. Verse 5. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah would declare that the Lord's hand is not short that he cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your gods, and your, your gods, your God and your, sorry, um, and your sins have separated. And yet when I see Isaiah here, he sees God in his holiness, which causes him to see his sin for what it is. And he then recognizes that even his own righteousness, the best he can do, is nothing, nothing more than filthy rags. Paul would pick up on that later. In the New Testament, he says, I was an Israelite circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, as touching zeal, I persecuted the church, as touching the righteousness in the law, I was blameless. And yet, I counted it all loss for Christ. Repentance, the first result. We see God in His holiness, see our sin for what it is. But it's interesting that He says, Woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. You know, I see that pattern. Daniel, a man in the Bible who never, ever, ever has a sin mentioned about himself. He prays, God forgive me and my nation. Nehemiah, Another, God, forgive me and my nation. The Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins. You know, true repentance isn't just, God, forgive me, get them. It's like, God, forgive me and have mercy on us all. When we truly feel the heart of God, we do not stand in judgment of others. The first result of worship is repentance. The second result is redemption. In verse 6, it begins, Then flew unto me one of the seraphim, having in his right hand a living coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips. Thine iniquity is purged. Thy sin is taken away.
There's no other name given among heaven whereby you must be saved, and that's Jesus Christ. It wasn't until he cried out to God that he could receive salvation. He did not save himself. He recognized he was incapable of saving himself. Paul makes it very specific in the New Testament. As he comes to Romans 5, he he describes this salvation process. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And not only so, but we also glory in our tribulations also. Knowing the tribulation works patience, patience, experience, experience, hope. But hope does not make us ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man would some even dare to die. But God commended His love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, we can joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received this atonement. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in the world in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, and has now given to us the word of reconciliation so that we, on Christ's behalf, beg others be reconciled to God. Redemption is being reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. The only way. And and so I ask, do you need to be reconciled to God tonight? Have your sins separated between you and your God so that He has hid His face from you? Is there a need to come to the Lord and receive His salvation? If so, there will be an opportunity in a moment. I mean, after all, what should it profit if you gain the whole world and yet lose your own soul? What would you give in exchange for your soul? God says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I can bow in worship for eternity or I can bow acknowledging that as He says, Depart from me, you who are cursed and work iniquity into the lake of fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. My choice today in this life determines where I will spend eternity. And my life is but what? A breath? Which today is like grass, tomorrow withered and thrown into the fire? The second result of worship is redemption. The third result of worship is revival. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. Result, Isaiah writes the largest Old Testament prophetic book. Has more messianic prophecy, more millennial prophecies than any other book. He spans many kings in the life of his ministry. 
Because he said, here am I, send me. Notice he didn't say, here is my good-looking self with my great education. He didn't say, here am I, a godly spiritual man who has gone to church all my life. He just said, all my righteousness is as filthy rags. But if you want this life and you think you can make something out of it, here I am. And he surrendered. And God used him, not because he thought he was able, but only because he was willing. God gives a similar promise to the nation Israel in Second Chronicles chapter 7. He says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, that's repentance. Then from heaven will I hear, forgive them of their sins, it's redemption, and heal their land. That's revival. Has your world gone from calm to chaos? Have you gone from peace to perplexity? Have you seen your serenity become surreal? Refocus on worship. The perception. God is on the throne. He is sovereign and transcendent. When you don't understand, just hold on to what you know. God loves you. Proclaim His worthiness. He is worthy to be praised. It is a statement of fact, not feeling. Enjoy His eminence. He will never leave you or forsake you. Act in worship. Direct it to God the Father for who He is, what He is doing. Mediated through the Son, the author, finisher of your faith, and empowered by the Holy Spirit who will lead and guide you into all truth, that you might see the result of worship. Repentance. Redemption as a new creation and revival, both for yourself and the nation where God has put you. Now, Paul sums all this up in Romans 11.36. He basically says God is the source of all things and that through Him and Him in us, He is the means of all things and that He becomes the object of all things. In Romans 11.36 it says, For from Him and through Him and to Him be all things. To Him be glory and honor forever. Amen. Father, we give You all the glory and all the honor because they are Yours forever. We thank You, Father, for Your words, for Your scriptures, for, for Lord, the perspective of worship. I pray, Lord, in my life, in the lives of all of us that we would learn to worship, truly worship the God who created us. And while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, perhaps there are some here that like Paul could say, I am blameless. Or perhaps there are some here whose lives have just become chaos. And as God would say to Isaiah, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Today he would say to you, who can I save? Who will come to me? And Isaiah would say, Here am I, Lord, send me. So I would ask, Who would today say, Here am I, Lord, save me? If you today hear His voice, do not harden your heart. Just raise your hand while we're praying in the air. 